This podcast may contain discussions about violence, drug use, and it's most definitely going to contain a lot of foul language. I'm sorry, Hello, everybody. G'day, mates. Uh, Look, we just have something to say before we continue with the regular programming. Yes, so... As many of you would have seen, we just want to acknowledge what has been unfolding in the media, um, the situation regarding FKA Twigs and Shia LaBeouf. And we did want to mention that we recorded our episode about Shia many weeks before this actually came to light. Uh, We just want to say that it fucking it's fucking disgusting and horrible. Yeah, and he's actually Shia Ladouche. Yep. So fuck him. Yeah, so we thought we should mention that. Yeah, sorry for giving you someone you thought you could like. I know. <laughs> nope. Isn't this just the whole premise? Yeah. I mean When they zig they zag, you think you could oi yoy. I would like to hope that his career is done for now. But I guess that remains to be seen. Yeah, it does. I think it's really interesting because it's going to be like this landmark case because of the context of it. They didn't get a divorce. They were in a relationship together. It's uh, That legal side is quite interesting. Well, he hasn't denied it either. No. so He's denied some allegations, he has, but said that he can't make excuses for his alcoholism and aggression. I believe that was the quote. But (sighs) anyways, we did just want to... Mention that. Yeah. We weren't just ignoring that enormous thing. Yeah. Anyway. On to today's episode. Uh, so we're doing something a little bit different today. Yeah. That we have never done before. We're doing fashion. Fashion. Turn to the left. Fashion. Fashion. Turn to the right. Yeah, it's about fashion. Yeah, we're doing fashion. We're doing fashion designers, mm-hmm. actually. Um Although the person I'm doing, Karl Lagerfeld, had did say at one point he doesn't consider himself an artist because, you know, there's a great word that I can't remember the word, but because it's um doesn't last. It's only ephemeral. That's the word. Look, we're like the yin and the yang. <laughs> um, yeah, so but you know, I, I'm I think I disagree. I think it there's trends and stuff, but yeah, I think there's definitely artistry involved in in, in fashion. Absolutely, and desi- it's a you know design as well in general. And if anything, Carl was very good at taking something that might have been a bit out of fashion and spinning it around and making it actually fucking cool. Yeah. Well, I'll heal. Or more is about he a it. dick? And we should all just hate him. Okay, so despite his insistence to the contrary. <laughs> Karl Lagerfeld was born in 1943 in Hamburg, Germany. Ooh. <laughs> it's a turbulent time. It was a turbulent time. Um, 
He lied about his age about a million times. Oh, right, because actually I didn't think he was, I okay, anyway, go on. But some genius found his christening paperwork. <laughs> so, sorry, Lagerfeld, you were born in 1943. I don't think I have christening we can paperwork. shut the door on that one. All right, let's shut the door, Amber's <laughs> catchphrase. I was christened in a mass christening. I guess it was a cost-saving Venture. I was also like old enough to chew a steak when I was christened. So, oh, I was never baptized. Well, you're going straight to hell. Well, then. I remember someone telling me that when I was a little kid. <laughs> I'm joking. I went home and said, Mom, where's my christening things? And she was like, You weren't christened. And it's fine. I, if there's a hell, we're both going there. It's cool. We'll hang out. Look, I'm proud, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, his daddy was a real Richie. Mm. Um, he introduced and imported condensed milk. Delicious. In Germany, yeah. Um, and Carl claims that his parents were not very nice people, not great parents in that parental sense of the word, mm-hmm. um, and that they just ignored him all the time um, and that they would constantly speak in French and English when they didn't want him to understand Ooh. Tricky, but apparently before he even started school, so like four years old, five years old, he taught himself those languages. Shut up. Which is fucking crazy, and I wonder if it was actually a lie to make everyone think he was like a genius. Genius child A child prodigy. prodigy. <laughs> yeah. But if it's true, it's amazing. Carl's gifted. Hmm. Um, he had sisters as well, but he said that his mother sent them away because they were boring. Whoa. But the Carl wasn't boring, so he could stay. That's fucking hectic. It is a hectic. This mother is something else, man. Uh, she would say awful things to him, like awful. When he was eight, she said, you shouldn't wear hats. You look like an old dyke. Jesus. And he never wore hats after that. And when he was 14, he wanted to smoke. And she smoked and everyone fucking probably smoked. Yeah. But she said to him, you shouldn't smoke because your hands are not beautiful and it shows when you smoke. And after that, he always wore fingerless gloves. Right. And it was if you look at it for any pictures of yeah, him. Yeah, I've actually, I've never thought about that. That's so fucked up. I mean, it doesn't, nothing I read said that he admitted to that being why he always wore fingerless gloves, but I think it's pretty clear. Yeah, I think you can deduce the yeah. origin story of that. Yeah. Um, she also thought he was too fat, so she would literally tie him to the bed to stop him from eating at night, which is so scary and abusive and fucking Horrific. God. Uh, his mother also said that his hair looked like a chest of drawers. What does that mean? Which is the weirdest and best insult ever. I yeah. mean, there's nothing particularly wrong with a chest of drawers, but do you want your hair to look like that? No. We're probably going to include that in no. our in our trailer for season <laughs> three. <laughs> Woody Allen. Genius or... Hair like a chest of drawers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, when he was 14, he moved to Paris 
to finish his school studies, and he majored in drawing and history. And two years later, he submitted uh, sketches and fabric samples for a jacket um, Mm -hmm. into a fashion design competition, and he won. Good on you. And I'm just going to say I'm not very good at French pronunciations, so I'm just going to say all of these names in a real broad Australian accent and hopefully you can figure out who they are. I'm looking forward to it. So Eve St. Laurent <laughs> won in the dress category okay. um, and then they became really good mates and they fucking loved each other and hung out all the time, talked about fashion, fashion. Mm. Um, and off the back of uh, Carl's win, he was offered a job at Balmain, which is very hard to say in the French way. Balmain. Because I just want to say Balmain. Because there's actually a suburb in Sydney's yes. surroundings, Balmain. And that's how you say it in Australia. You go across the road, you you've got go. Birkenhead Point Shopping Centre, where shoppers do a great deal better. You don't get the bus to Balmain. No. Balmain. Anyway, he worked for Balmain as an assistant and later was an apprentice to Paris Balmain himself, Mm. uh, which he did for three years before moving on to be the artistic director at Jean Patou. Never heard of them either. But apparently it was a big deal. Yeah. Because why would you leave Balmain? No. If you didn't have to. It's gorgeous, right on the water. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In 1964, he moved to Rome to study art history at university. So even though he had his career started, he was still, like, really interested in history. It's a bold move. Yeah. I think he just really liked to be very busy too. Mm. While he was there, he worked as a freelancer for Valentino Mm. and Fendi, among others, but those were the only two that I was like, I know those Designers. Yeah. And it was with Fendi that he made his most ambitious work. Um, he introduced mole, rabbit, and squirrel furs to their fur line. What? Whereas before they would use mink or whatever, I guess. Mm. Um, and he coined the phrase fun furs. Who's it fun for? <laughs> fun for people who don't care about little creatures, I guess. But he changed the kind of whole vibe around Fendi by dyeing them crazy colours and making them look super fun and crazy. And I think Fendi even changed their logo. I think it had two Fs, Mm -hmm. which was fun fur. Ah. I didn't know the derivative. Well, well, that's well, and that's what they're now I know for. from all, dead animals. All of my Fendi, uh, you know, apparel. Now <laughs> I know <laughs> <laughs> they just basically do fur and leather. The vegans don't love it. Fair enough. I guess, and I guess maybe using those rabbit squirrel furs made them a little bit more affordable. I don't know, but they were mm. a little bit more mass produced or something. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Yeah. So it was less like couture. They just wandered down to Central Park and <laughs> Yeah. Well he wanted to be radical and move away from couture mm. and into ready to wear and be more accessible. Mm. If, if you like dead animals. 
that would be great for you, I guess. Absolutely. In 1964. Anyway, uh, then in 1966, Carl became the main designer for Chloe. And from there, with Eve's Saint Laurent working in his, uh, he'd started his own fashion house, which I'm sure you've heard of. Mm, um, yes. Both of them were sort of the first to do ready-to-wear, like, catwalk shows. Really? And they were just absolutely killing it and doing bigger mass-produced stuff. In 1983, then he just did that for ages. Um, I didn't really know that Chloe was that old. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, I had no idea. Uh, in 1983, he became the design director at Chanel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coco had been dead for 10 years by okay. then, and although it was still considered pretty iconic, um, it certainly wasn't what it once was. It was pretty much dead in the water and it yeah. needed a big old overhaul. Apparently they'd been after Carl for ages. Um, but he turned them down three times before he accepted the job. Oh, really? Yeah. I think maybe he was pushing for more money. Uh, maybe more money, but probably more like control and to be like right. wild. They wanted him to revamp the brand and turn it into something more relevant so they could actually start selling it, I guess. His first collection was very poorly received. But I actually think he kind of killed it. Like he took the Chanel suit but then made it from like leather or he made the skirt really, really short or, you know. What year was that when he started there? Uh, 83 So and that would have been the 84 collection. I think he did a couture collection first and then the, then a ready-to-wear with all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think it was bloody awesome. Anyway, uh, he was with them until the day he died. He stayed with Chanel. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Chanel is considered to be one of the most valuable luxury goods houses in the world, if not the most. Um, in, they don't, because they're a private company, they don't, you can't buy like stocks or yeah. whatever. Um, people don't really know how much they make. Do you know how, they, but, so, so they're just a single, like, because I'm going to talk about companies from like LVMH, which own a huge amount of companies. But like, so they're just a standalone. I believe so. How interesting. And that's after how, all this time. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. In 2017, they released uh, financials for that year only. Uh-huh. Um, and they made $10 billion. Fuck off. <laughs> that's a lot of rich people money. That's nuts so. Not so Palazzo. Oh my year. god. It's crazy to me because I don't know rich people who can afford to buy Chanel products. Like mm. today I was in David Jones. Where you should have given me call. <laughs> I don't work at David Jones. I wasn't <laughs> going there to buy some Chanel handbag. I needed to get something from upstairs. But I was walking through now. On George Street, they've got all the fancy shit on the f- ground level. As soon as you walk in, it's just mm-hmm. like, fucking hell. And I was just looking around like, how many of these do they sell a day? Yeah. 
Yeah, they've kind of changed it to be a bit more like Selfridges, like it's just like luxury as soon as you walk in, which is interesting. It's hectic. Anyway, there must be a lot of rich people who buy a lot of Chanel. I don't know them. And his work at Chanel made him super famous. He could basically do whatever he wanted professionally. Um, He launched his own brand under his name, Mm -hmm. which he ended up selling to like, Mark Jacobs or something funny, or maybe Tommy Hilfiger, someone with a manly man name. Interesting. Um, which is weird. Uh, he was also the first to collab with H&M. Oh. Hmm. And he's done other affordable collabs with Macy's. Those H&M ones are crazy. Yeah. Like people go wild. Oh, yeah. I accidentally, I, well, like I went to one with my sister who worked for them at the time, but you don't get any special privileges. So we lined up from 6am. so rude. I know. It was before they had a city store. It was just one store. We went and lined up at 6am. By the time we got to the front, there was nothing. It's like size 43 shoes that I was just like, well, that's not going to happen on these nymphy little toots. But like. That was Machino. Machino. That, no, that was it. Was Alexander Wang? Oh, that was the one that I actually lined up, and then I, I, I said I'm never doing this again because by the time we got to the front, they it was already being sold on fucking eBay. Ugh. I know. And then, but when the Machino one came out, I was walking to work and I was like, I'm just gonna do a little reiki. I'm just gonna see what's going on. <laughs> and then I saw a. Near the front of the line, a figure I recognised, and it was one Mandy, a friend of mine I went to preschool with, and I was like, look. Shout out to Mandy. Yes. But I was like, hey, I know this is serious. I know this can get really intense. (laughs) But if you happen to come across like X, Y, (laughs) Z, and you can grab it in my size and you don't have to like gouge an eye out of another shopper, I will reimburse you. Did she get you anything? I got slides. Oh. Got well. machino slides and uh, my partner says that they look like a, like a, a fisherman woman. I think they look beautiful. It's not really what I was going for but, you know. It's better than nothing. Yeah. I would, no, I, I, I asked for them but um, some people are quite critical of those. Mm, I once got some amazing pants from Target when Stella McCartney. Oh, did. yeah. I think they that, that the kind of thing. the best pants that I ever bought. They were just I think they kind of made me move out of buying shitty clothes. Yeah, I think that these, I don't know, I don't know about the actual moralistic soundness of them, but I think these collaborations, despite the, like, vulgar competition of actually, <laughs> make, you know, attaining the products, I think that it's a really interesting concept. It's great. It's like this high art, low art meeting, whatever, and it's making it affordable. But why can't afford to? Yeah. You know, I think it's great and it was amazing to me to buy a pair I'd always just wear worn jeans yeah my whole fucking life and every time I put a pair of cheap pants on I'd be like ew but these pants just fit amazing yeah and I think it's a very interesting idea I'm into it I loved them Mm. Uh, (laughs) so anyway he did all these collabs he was still also working at Fendi at the same time as Chanel. Um, yeah. He, he was also freelancing, doing small collections with other houses as well. Wow. All while he was working for Chanel. He could just do whatever he wanted. He was so good. It was fucking Carl Lagerfeld. Yeah. 
Um, and the celebs loved him too. Mm-hmm. He designed uh, for Madonna and Kylie for their tours. Oh, that, that's very interesting actually. It mm. plays into my story. Go on. Um, he was obsessed with Claudia Schiffer in the 80s mm-hmm. and 90s. Um, he always had like muses, right? Yeah, yeah. Big on that. She credits him with launching her career. She was like, if it wasn't for, I'm like bullshit, you look like. A million bucks. A trillion dollars. Yeah, we should probably inflate that. She was grossly attractive. And in the more recent times, he was obsessed with Cara Delevingne. Thank you. Um, He liked Kendall as well, Jenna. Yeah, KJ Banger. Um, And he also loved his actresses. That could be any of them, actually. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think they had brand ambassadors, but they were all picked by Carl. And they had Marion Cotillard. I love her. And I think she's still, she uh, while I was in the city today, I was just like, Chanel number five, Chanel number yeah. five, Chanel number five. She, her I have one on my walk to work. Everywhere. Yeah. He's also had Margot Robbie, mm-hmm. Australia's own. Yeah, and, she's uh, ours. Kristen Stewart. Yes. Who's gorge. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. And heaps more. I think he really liked Willow Smith for a little while. Ooh. Anyway, there's a million more. And another amazing thing about him is that he photographed all of the campaigns that he did himself. I did not know that. And he also did editorial work for Vogue for other things, like right. which is just fucking cool as shit. Yeah. It's a very talented human being. Yeah, he's amazing. I also have to mention the sets. For the runway shows? Yeah. Yes. Um, And he worked on them himself as well. He thought they should say something about the clothes or the vision for the collection. And he knows that people will talk about the spectacle of the whole fucking thing and it will go viral, man. (laughs) (laughs) So he had like a beach that had... Actual sand and real lapping waves somehow, like, inside. Wow. Um, he's had... I bet it was better than the uh, wave pool at Jamboree Recreation Park. <laughs> I bet it was too. Yeah. It wasn't very big. We used to call it the rave pool because of the hideous music I've never been there. I want to go so bad. I mean, we should go. You control the action. Let's go. All right, great. Um, Bye. <laughs> he also did one uh, with, like, with a... A 148-metre-long ship indoors and, like, Gigi and Bella are, like, just walking past this thing. And it had on the ship it had, like, an onboard piano player, a real swimming pool, and afterwards all the guests were invited on board and they had, like, the party in the boat. Like a cruise ship? No, not that. Well, a 148-metre-long boat? What's that? Like a yacht. A yacht. But it was meant to look like... (laughs) Like a ruby princess? (laughs) Well, it was meant to sort of... It looks a bit like a shipping boat. You know what I mean? Yep, yep, yep. It's amazing. It would have cost so much money. I know. It had a real swimming pool in it. And it was just for one day. Yeah. Not even a full day. I know. (sighs) Okay. Uh, He also had one with a life-size rocket ship. Inside the Grand Palace in Paris. Um, In Cuba, when uh, 
Americans were allowed in. Oh, yeah. And us were allowed in there now. Um, they did it just like down the main promenade of like the capital. Wow. So they closed off a really. Yeah. Okay. And for days Desperate before, um, they just had all these cars and the models sitting like. Convertible cars? Like. Yeah. Sitting. Waving to people. Yeah, because they have all of those cars from like the, the 60s, yeah, I would say. So 50s, cool and 50s and 60s. Great colors. Yes. Uh, he did another one with like the whole set was an actual cafe with booths. And then the models were just like zigzag, like all through it. Like it was massive. And they, and so like all the guests just sat in their booth and the models would just at some point. All of them would walk past them. Must be quite fun for the models too, because yeah, it like totally shakes so it up, cool. and I guess they need to like be choreographed and have, yeah. you know, as opposed to just walking straight down, doing a pose, come back, you know. Yeah, there was also one with a forest that was made all out of origami. Mm. It is so beautiful, and the very cool one was the Chanel supermarket. So cool, and all the shelves are filled with like. Actual products with these like redone Chanel labels. It's so cool. So I'm just like, where did all that cool shit go? Got incinerated. I don't know. Probably worth a lot of money. Yeah. I should look up, see if you can like buy it on eBay now. Mm. The Chanel <laughs> washing detergent or the Chanel baked beans. Mmm. Delish. Anyway, it's like nothing less look. than two calories per serve. <laughs> <laughs> it's just inside, it's just air. <laughs> That's what models eat. Enjoy your delicious beans. Anyway, yeah. Um, he also had, that's a long list of cool things, but I just think that's so great. It's incredibly creative, like his approach to these sets. Mm. He also had one of the biggest personal libraries in the whole world. Really? He had over 300,000 books. Oh, my God. I would love Have you seen the library? Oh, there's some pictures, yeah. I want to see it so bad. It's amazing. Do you know what colour the walls are? Mm, can't remember. I dream about my library and we are going. You're not going to go brown, are you? No. British racing green Ooh. or midnight blue. Oh. And ladders. I love Midnight Blue. I know. Wooden ladders. Yeah, oh, yes. You're not Wooden a monster. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Don't, oh, don't be crude, Amber. Wooden, of course. All right, let's keep going. Stop talking about my imaginary library and my island bench in my kitchen. <laughs> uh, from 1971 to 1989, Carl had a relationship with a French socialite who was also sometimes a model, but he did not like to work. His name was, <laughs> I mean, I'm also going to say this in the Aussie accent, Jacques de Bacha. Yeah, perfectly pronounced. Thanks. But Carl said that the relationship wasn't a sexual one and that they never had sex. Interesting. Jacques, however, <laughs> had sex with, like, everyone. Oh, um, he even had an affair with Yves Saint Laurent, which ended Yves' relationship that he was in Ooh. and ended the friendship between Carl and Yves. Oh, my God, fashion drama. It was 
hot goss. Mm-hmm. There's a lot about that, but I don't really care because okay. it had nothing to do with Carl really. Like yeah. he didn't do anything. So it was like companionship, I guess. With yeah, but they were like in love sure. and um, unfortunately Jacques died of AIDS in 1990, 1989 and Carl was there the whole time, sat at his bedside. And, oh. Yeah. It's pretty sad. Very I couldn't find any other, uh, like, info about any other relationships he's had. Interesting. Um, I did see a few rumours that he was a necrophiliac, but oh, that's well. kind of ridiculous and I don't think so. No, no. Nothing substantial. I think that would have come out. I don't want to believe that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't want to believe that about anyone. I don't think people really are. It's just too gross. Oh, there's definitely a... <laughs> Only if you're going to, like, kill people yeah, or something. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're true crime people, so... Yeah. But not, like, just, like, a regular person. <gasps> I like long walks on the beach. <laughs> I like getting a little Thai takeaway and boning dead people. <laughs> and fucking a rotten corpse that I've been keeping... In Do you want to go for a coffee? Fridge. <laughs> my walk-in fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone with a walk-in fridge, hit the brick. Get out of there. <laughs> yeah, that's creepy. Um, anyway, I thought that maybe he was asexual. Yeah. Um, but then I found this quote. All right. Goes, I personally only like high-class escorts. I don't like sleeping with people I really love. I just don't want to sleep with them because sex can't last, but affection can last forever. And I think this is healthy. And for the way the rich live, this is possible. But for the other world, I think they just need porn. Wow. <laughs> so I think you just... I mean, I'm not even mad at that. It's quite interesting. Oh, it's, it is interesting. I mean, sex probably doesn't last, really. It doesn't. Interesting. It's very interesting. Maybe he was very wise. Uh, he did have a cat I know. called Choupette, which I just sort of said not really badly. Choupette. <laughs> um, who he was totally obsessed with. Very cute cat. Very. Um um, and he is rumoured to be the sole heir of Carl's $200 million fortune. <laughs> it's still not settled, but. What? Yes. <laughs> it's a rumour, but it could be true. He could have given that to so many. I mean, maybe he did. It is a rumour. Okay. And it's not settled yet. We don't know. It's pretty amusing. <laughs> Either way, even if he didn't, I'm sure Choupette will be left a substantial sum of money. What the fuck is Chappelle going to do? Well, <laughs> apparently Carl said that, like, when he fed the cat every day, mm. he would put a spread of different things out for her. Jesus Christ. And then the cat would sort of have a look at them all and eat one of them and then he God. probably just threw the rest away. Push Nickel Fritz. <laughs> Bickies or nothing for my cat. <laughs> Poor Schnick. I'm like, what do you feel like? What about, can I just suggest, may I suggest Bickies from the two kilo bag that I buy you? Yeah. Every day when I feed the dog, I'm like, Billy, guess what you're having tonight? (laughs) And he gets so excited. 
It's your tone of voice. It excites me also. It's good. But in the pants. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, blah, blah, Carl Lagerfeld, his look was super recognisable. Mm. Had this like white, grey ponytail, big stiff collars, massive black sunglasses that he said he wore because he was nearsighted and his mother had said he had pitiful looking eyes. Oh my god, that was woman. so rude. Yeah. Excuse me, mum. Um poor old Carl died in a Parisian hospital of complications with pancreatic cancer at the age of 85. Yeah, it's good life. Yeah. His ashes were spread at a secret location alongside his mother and as well as his late partner. His mean old mum. He loved his mother. Oh, God. He always talked about how she was perfect. Oh, my God. Treat him mean, keep him keen. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> well, I think he was pretty mean, which yeah. I'm about to get into. Mm. So he probably thought she was hilarious and, and perfect. So before we get into that, Kara, what do you think of uh, old Carly boy? Well, I really I enjoy how aloof and cold he is. Yeah, he's, he's a pretty funny character. Yeah, he's he's like this caricature of like this archetypal fashion, yeah, like totally. elitist. Yeah. And I think that's funny. Yeah, I think he knew that too. Yeah, I mean, I mean. <laughs> Maybe like, a bit of both. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm laughing at him there, but I mean, like I enjoyed it personally. And I'm sure, it, like he's a smart guy. Anyway, like his cat. <laughs> She's very pretty. She's very famous herself. She has her own Instagram. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. I wonder, like. I'm going to start following it because I want to know. Lifestyle well, who the hell is managing that? Famous That's, cats. Yeah. Well, it's not mine, obviously. Bicky boy. <laughs> um, I like that he, I knew that he kind of like resurrected Chanel in a sense. Like I think, you know, we're Australian. We love an underdog story. It's part of our D&I. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it's kind of a noble effort, the fact that he swooped in and kind of, you know, brought this brand to the kind of calibre and status that it has now when people had all but sort of forgotten a lot of yeah, it. Yeah, it's quite an accomplishment. It's huge. I also, I really love his, like, French girl aesthetic. Like, yeah, I always, always... I especially with one particular dress, which is striped. I wear my hair like this Chanel runway show he did, and I'm pretty sure it it was in 2019. I think it might have been his last one. It was all very white in the space. Oh, but yeah, yeah. I think, I think so. And then I, Penelope Cruz was in it, I mm-hmm. think. Was that the last one? Was that posthumous one? Uh, might have been. Yeah. I'm not well, sure. There was, I think that his very last one he didn't go to because he wasn't feeling well. Right. And Maybe every, that was. And everyone was like, ooh, he's going to die. Oh, God. And then he did. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, all the models, like, they kind of have, like, all of their hair half pulled back but then it's, like, middle parted and there's some, like, hangy downy, like, <gasps> there's just, like, these flowing cascading curls and then the top bit of their hair is pulled back with bows and like barrettes. And that's what Kara does every day. I don't do it. I only do it. I do it on, I often will wake up in the morning and I will pretend like I'm dressing like Brigitte Bardot. Oh. 
or anyone. Like That's sometimes, why it always looks so good. Like today, I'm wearing a very like. I'm in the USSR and I'm working in a factory, but then there's a party in the back because it's low back, you know, like. Yeah. There's always a theme to what I'm thinking. It's made out of something nice. Silk, maybe? It's a silkish thing, but like no one, no one else is in on this except (laughs) for my head. But yeah, so I always wear my my hair like this because I do think it's, it is quite Brigitte Bardot and I put this like velvet bow in the back of my hair. But that, the inspiration is directly from Mr. Lagerfeld for sure. Yeah. Well, I guess Chanel was like that. What was it? It was those suits, mm. the little black dress. She was a pioneer of the, like. So cool. Trouser for women? Yeah. Also, she was a Nazi. But anyway, we won't get into mm. that. We're not talking about Coco. Maybe we'll do. Coco, sorry, I'm she sucks. Sorry, she sucks. That she sucks a dick. Maybe we can check that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think this really counts, but I just, I fucking, I love, I love Paris. And I think even though he's not French, he kind of represents this like chic, effortless Parisian way. Yeah, he's so Paris. I know. And because obviously he wasn't even born there, but like... It's just that that particular style. He wasn't it's, born there, but he taught himself French when I he know. was four years old. He was detoyment. But um, yeah, I just also his very distinctive look, like you mentioned with the glasses. Like it's such a cliche. Like this kind of like fashion. But always I kind of like it. Like at first, I was like, when I conjure an image, I thought he always wore just like white and black. Which you know he didn't wear color. Mm, I don't either, really. But then I looked up more pictures of him and he certainly like managed to mix it up with his very basic look. Yeah, I can, like if I think about him, I only think about him as an older man working for Chanel. Like that's, Same. I, I don't really have any other. Oh, you should see pictures of him younger. Yeah, I'm going to Ooh. later. For sure. Oh, hello. <laughs> what was it? Disappointing eyes? <laughs> pitiful eyes. Oh, pitiful, sorry. <laughs> oh. Um yeah, but I like the fact, I feel like that was definitely a calculated choice though. He had a very identifiable look. Yeah, totally. He stuck with it. I feel like that was kind of like very hand-in-hand uh, hand with the brand that he was representing. Like it was all a ploy, like it was all a play. He was yeah. doing it on purpose. It was intentional. Yeah. Um, but the, I guess the funny thing is that um, I probably wouldn't, well, I mean, I can't afford it. But if I could afford it, I probably wouldn't buy Chanel because it's not really my style at all. But I can really appreciate that it's it's beautiful. Yeah, and it has this a uh, pretty amazing place in fashion history. And- it does. And I mean like I remember there was I think it might have been like a, like a little Vogue video or something. But the work that goes into the garments, I think from these old especially like French houses, it's really interesting to see to get a bit more of a grasp of why this thing costs so much money is interesting because, like, I think it was, like, the those classic Chanel tweed jackets, I think they take, like, 130 hours to make each Whoa. of them. It's something along those lines, which obviously is incredibly painstaking, like... Like, but people look great in them. Even Marge Simpson could rock it. She... She, oh, who wore it best, Marge. Marge Simpson. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of it. But I think there is also, 
very much an appreciation for high fashion, even though I might not necessarily completely understand it. I can really appreciate that. I can really appreciate the art form that is sort of this high end fashion situation. It's good fun. It's it's beautiful. It's and I do often like toy with the idea like. Maybe I'll just treat myself and then I'm like, maybe I'll pay rent. But, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much why I like him. I don't know that much about him as a whole. I know a couple of things, but I'm very interested to get into it, the dirty details. All right. So although his mother was a total bitch, she wasn't a Nazi. This is maybe just a fun fact. Actually, right. this is just a fun fact. Um she even said that she saw Hitler once. Ew. Like in the street. And she thought he was so ugly oh my God. that she wanted nothing to do with him. This is which hilarious. Is a sick burn. <laughs> it's Ugh, nothing to Hitler, do with too the ugly, fact that not he's, interested. <laughs> he's a despicable, deplorable human being. <laughs> but look at that face. It's disgusting. Um, unfortunately, though, Carl, it seems, wasn't as discerning. This whole bad stuff section is all going to be quotes and I really wish I could do a good Karl Lagerfeld impression, Mm. but I tried and I just can't. Maybe I'll just say it all in a super Aussie accent. I mean, I I really commend you for (laughs) giving the Karl impression a go, even in our own time. I just, I'm not very good at the German Euro. Like he had a German accent, but it was also very Euro- Vague because mm. he spoke so many languages, I guess. Maybe. Anyway. Ooh, back- you think you're better than us? <laughs> <laughs> back to the Nazi shit. Jesus. Um, on a French talk show in 2017, he said this, quote, you cannot kill millions of Jews and then take in millions of their worst enemies afterwards, even if... There are decades in between the two events. Uh, what? He went, then he went on to add, I know someone in Germany who took on a young Syrian and after four days he said, the greatest thing Germany invented was the Holocaust. Jesus. Done. It's pretty bad. It's, I didn't know this. It's very bad. Our story is very closely linked. Oh, what no. What is happening in the water over there in fashion? <sighs> There's more. Um, Undoubtedly. And probably like so many people in the fashion industry, he was totally fat phobic. Fuck off. And he said horrible things about a lot of famous people, so I'm just going to go through it all. Okay. Well, a few of them anyway. So on Adele, he said... Don't you dare. She is a little too fat, but she has a beautiful face and a divine voice. Who asked you, fuckhead? Why, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all? Just can't you just say she has a beautiful face and a divine voice? Exactly. Nailed it. He really hated Heidi Klum. Don't know if it was personal, never got to the bottom of it, but he said of her... (laughs) Heidi Klum is no runway model. She is simply too heavy. What? And has too big a bust. 
and she always grins so stupidly. That is not avant-garde. That's commercial. He's such a prick. (laughs) (laughs) On Pippa Middleton. No, 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 no. (laughs) She's a waif. (laughs) He said, Kate Middleton has a nice silhouette. I like that kind of woman. I like romantic beauties. On the other hand, her sister struggles. I don't like her sister's face. She should only show her back. Oh, my god! so mean. He's such a little bitch. Was. Rip. On Lana Del Rey. Oh, queen of the sad girls. Lana Del Rey is not bad at all. She looks very much like a modern time singer. In her photo, she's very beautiful. Is she a construct, though, with all her implants? Mm. I mean, that's not that bad. But. No, I mean, uh, uh, who gives a shit? Whatever. Uh, and this one isn't a burn on Coco, just a burn on everybody else. He's about Coco Chanel. He said, she was never a feminist because she was never ugly enough for that. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, what a dick. What a dumb thing to say. It's just so, so boringly misogynist. It's so dumb. It's it's just like it's so weak and in it's what even is that argument? And on the people who criticise unhealthy beauty standards in the fashion industry, he had this to say. Oh, people who criticise no no food till Brooklyn, <laughs> those kind of people? Is that yeah. what you mean? Yeah? Okay. Well, just that it's crazy yeah. that all the models are stick thin mm-hmm. and then everyone in the world has to look at it and go, I'm not thin. Yeah. Um, he said... These are fat mummies sitting with their bag of crisps in front of the television saying that thin models are ugly. No one wants to see round women. I do. (laughs) I love round women. Thank you. (laughs) Um, He was a jerk about men as well. About seal, he said, I am no dermatologist, (gasps) but I wouldn't want his skin. He is covered in craters. I was like, aren't you supposed to never mention seal skin? Oh, my God. So fucking. Okay. Uh, He also said about Andy Warhol, who he was, like, good friends with. Oh, I can imagine that. Like, very good friends. And after he died, Carl said, I shouldn't say this, but physically he was quite repulsive. What the hell? <laughs> That's what he says about his dead friend. I mean, I, I don't think that they're like, you could, they're not interchangeable, but I don't think they're that dissimilar. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, Well, I, I mean, I guess he just like. Like I think that Karl Lagerfeld could so, easily go with Andy to a Halloween party and then yeah, he'd be like very similar. And not Carl also sent flowers to an accused rapist. Uh, Dominic Strasskahn, who at the time was the director of the International Monetary Fund, which I have no idea what that is, but it sounds very money, money, money and mm. powerful. 
Um, and he said of this guy, Dominic Strauss-Kahn, quote, women get horny from politics, from power, and he had unbelievable charms. He really is charming. He's fun. He's great. He's a sweet guy, as long as you're not a woman. That's the problem. That's the problem? So he's saying he's probably a rapist, but he's a great guy. And he sent flowers to him (sighs) to say, I'm sorry that you got busted. What's your saying? What is it? Close the door? Is that it? Shut the door. Oh, sorry. Shut it. On that one. Car's a fucking cunt. I'm just going to tell you another thing too. Okay. Um, (laughs) In February 2018, a stylist called Carl Templer was brought into the Me Too movement uh, when multiple women said that he had touched them inappropriately or aggressively during photo shoots, this Carl Templer guy, Mm. not Lagerfeld. Different Carl. Um, And one anonymous model said, quote, he was trying to get me naked. He was trying to get my clothes off without my permission. And after that, Lagerfeld came to Templar's defence and said, quote, if you don't want your pants pulled about, don't become a model. What the fuck? Join a nunnery. There'll always be a place for you in the convent. Oh, God. And he also had Claudia Schiffer do black and yellow face in Chanel photo shoots, which is super gross. Yep. And he's a total shitbag. Yeah, he sucks. So I'm sorry that we talked about how great he was for ages just before. <laughs> I mean, I do think that he's obviously very talented. He was very talented at what he did, but that's enough for me. Like, just so, I mean, and it's not the bitchiness, it's just, the conviction and the arrogance. Absolutely. And it's just How are you disgusting. so fucking arrogant to think, like just indignant in your way, which is actually really, it's wrong. And I think he probably was deeply scarred by the things that his mother oh, said where, to where, him. Oh, where, where, where? Our mums have always been. appearance and stuff. He was obsessed with her. But I'm not, I don't, I just don't. And he was quite old. But I, I really don't think that that excuses any of that Fuck behavior, no, that was fucking two years ago. Any of the things that he said, it's just gross. I agree. I agree entirely. The other thing is that he's gone, he's, what what kind of struck me was that he's he's gone out of his way <laughs> yes. to support fuckbags which don't actually have an association with them. It's like you've actually got off the freeway, you're going through a town, you're picking up some flowers and defending a cunt. And then I guess defending a cunt publicly. Exactly. Like he's not. It holds well, weight. Even defend you him. have a responsibility. He like, like he's a good friend. He's a great guy. Just don't be a woman around him. Yeah, but I mean, like, well, it's. I guess it's not defending, but in essence, you're coming out. It's it, it is in defense. Support. Yes. It's gross. So yeah, sorry, Carl Lagerfeld. Oh, that's sucks. it. I'm never buying Chanel again. <laughs> oh, jokes on you. Never bought anything from <laughs> Chanel because I'm poor. I'm getting rid of all my Fendi. Fur. I thought you were going to talk about the fact that they 
does everyone know this that that the very high lux level brands um, incinerate things? They don't ever go on sale because it lessens <gasps> the brand, so they just burn it. So you're not going to get oh, any of that stuff. Oh my god! From that is so gross. The runway they would have burnt it all. It's just. Goes into the ozone layer and kills us all. That's just softly with his handbag song. I hate them. I know. Another layer. Should we take a break? Let's take a break. You good to take a break? I'm good to take a break. We'll take a break. Okay, bye. Well, hey. We're back. We're back from our break and I'm going to start my story. So it starts in an interesting place, a place with one of the highest divorce rates in the world. Oh, my God. And it's where John and Yoko got married. Aww. And it's also home to the only wild monkey population in Europe. What? I know. It's Gibraltar. Great name. Yes. It's so fun to say. It's great. Where is it? <laughs> It's at the bottom of Spain, mm. just above the continent of Africa. Oh, okay. Um, but it's attached to Spain. Yes. Yes, it is. But it's not Spain. It's a British I think it was a British colony, colony but then I think it became. I don't know. I think it's still like an outpost or something. Okay. Like the, uh, what are those islands? And there was a war with Argentina. Uh, like it was in the crown. <laughs> oh, the Falklands. Yeah. Yeah. So sort of like that, I think, right? Yeah, that makes sense. I thought you were going to say like New Caledonia. <laughs> they used to have this ad for New Caledonia here in Australia when it was mm. like, it just, there was a person who said New Caledonia. Like, <laughs> I was like, I want to go. Um, nice. It's new. So anyway, this is where one uh, John Charles Galliano was born. Nice. He was born on November 28th, 1960, and his father was a plumber. He had two sisters. Plumber? Yeah. So, okay. His father was Spaniard. Ooh. Yeah, so the family, then they moved to South London when John was six years old and the children went to school there. And he attended St. Anthony's School, which was pretty spano. Yeah, Looked it up. From a plumber? Yeah. I know. Very good plumber. And also, well. I mean, plumbers should make a lot of money. They should. And I think they. And they probably do. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know any plumbers. I know one plumber and I think he's doing okay. Like a friend? Yeah. Or your plumber? It's Joe's only friend. Oh, he's a plumber. Yeah. And also our toilet had an issue. I took a video (laughs) of it. He taught me how to fix it. You took a video of your poo floating around? No, no. It was the top, the (laughs) system. But anyway, I fixed it on my own and I was like, I don't need no man's. Nice. It was good a good weekend. Fuck plumbers. And hey, hey, hey. Sorry, sorry. But yeah, so anyway, after St. Anthony's School, he went to Wilson's Grammar School, which Michael Caine actually oh, went there as well. Well, he sounds fancy, but also cockney. He wasn't supposed to blow the bloody doors off. <laughs> is that cockney? Yeah, I think, yeah. Which is East End. <laughs> I think he is, yeah. But uh, anyway, this is about Michael Caine. Also at that school, the uh, 400th anniversary in 2015 was uh, (laughs) heralded with a visit from Prince Edward. 
Ugh, Edward. Who cares about him? I like him. Well, he's, he's the least offensive. Offensive. <laughs> I know, exactly. He's under the radar. Mm. So... In 1980, John started his degree at St. Martin's School of Art. I've mentioned this before. It's like an institution where essentially every famous person who is in design or other things in the UK goes. Oh, who have we done before? Uh, Season one, episode one, Fassbender. Oh, Fassie. Yeah, but uh, like I think a different kind of like it's it's all supposed to hate Fassie now. St. Martin's, there's a school of design, you know, there's a school. Yeah. Okay. Different. But anyway. I get it. Um, So John graduated in 1984 and just like you'd have kind of a grad show if you were doing a visual arts degree, you have the same thing if you're doing this kind of design degree. And his whole collection was bought on the night it debuted. What? It was called Le... Unquillable. <laughs> Le unquillable. You would say incroyable less. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and it was inspired by the French Revolution. And I imagine this is like, I, I would think this is quite, kind of a rarity, but this also happened with Alexander McQueen um, when the absolutely fabulous Isabella Blow bought his entire collection That's at his graduation. I mean, I'm impressed. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, straight off the fucking university runway. But it's interesting to look at those two. Like McQueen was nine years Galliano's junior, but there were some very similar trajectories in their careers. It's interesting. Um, Right, so John starts his own label and he had a couple of financial backers for this. And from my research, what I deem, like what I can kind of deduce is that fashion often accepts a lot of dirty money to get the cash to get the job done. You gotta do what you gotta do. There was one backer, his name was Ol Pader Bertelson. And how would I say that? Uh, I think you say it the same because that was terrible. Ol Pader Bertelson. Bertelson. But he supported John's work and he was an oil trader, mm. but he also famously bought Ralph Lauren's brand to England. Oh, wow. Mm. Um, so this agreement ended in 1988. And by 1990, John was bloody bankrupt. Whoa. Yeah. Well, he started his own label out of university. Yeah. What do you expect, dickhead? I know. Go get a job. Work your way up. Well, he did what any of us would do and he headed to the City of Lights and Love and he went to Paris. Oh, gay Paris. Fucking love Paris. Anyways, what do you know? John and all his talent got him another financial backer. And so it seems to kind of work like get a backer, have a time limit on the agreement between two parties and bing, bang, bosh, like find a new backer. Okay. Obviously there are, would be many deviations from this system that I've figured out. but It's probably just how it works. Yeah. Um, I think now is probably as better time as any to uh, let everyone know that I don't know that much about um, <laughs> fashion, really. No, and I won't be able to correct you because I know less than you. Incredibly, with this new financial support, John was able to create a collection which was included in the 1989 Paris Fashion Week. Fashion. Yeah, turn to the left. So this... <laughs> 
I just, I wanted to note that the speed at which the fashion industry moves is remarkable. Like I'm not even talking about fast fashion here, but there's like in more high-end fashion, you've got spring, summer, autumn, winter, resort, couture, ready to wear. It's like, it just seems constant. constant. And it's always Jinx. living in the future, right? Yeah. It's wild, but I wonder what the rate of like burnouts and breakdowns oh, are. You would in have the to work so hard. It must be. And for, and for most of, most people, for nothing. And and the pressure to come up with yeah. new stuff now, new stuff now. Wild. Mm-hmm. This one's a bit of a shout-out to Elise. Shout-out. So John collaborated with Kylie Minogue oh, I talk as about well. Kylie too and I, I forgot I to say shout-out to Elise. Well, shout-out double to Elise. So <laughs> they... Um, together designed the costumes for her 1991 Let's Get To It Tour. I've never heard of that. Sounds fucking great. Looks fucking fabulous. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Also, just a side note, I also tried um, Kylie's rosé recently and uh, I quite enjoyed the drop. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'd like to try it. Would suggest. Can we have it next week? Yes. We've got to find it. Um... So by 1993, that previous agreement with the financial backer, he had since like arriving in Paris. It was from a person called Fakal Amour. <laughs> Fakal? I know. I don't know how to say it. Amour? Yeah. So it ended. It's a wild name. And in fashion, it's fashion. all about. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a bit going here. And in fashion, it's all about who you know, it seems. And John had been noticed by none other than the Queen of Sunglasses and a shoulder grazing bob. And a winter. Bingo, bango. So also the magnificent Andre Leontali had also noticed him. Who's that? You know, you know the man. Oh. He always wears like yes. a cloak. Oh, fabulous. He's really fabulous. He's so fabulous. So that kind of parlayed John into high society of Paris appreciation, Yeah, you know. Fashion. Exactly. Turn to the left. <laughs> <laughs> so in July 1995, John was appointed designer at Givenchy. Ooh, that's a fun word. Uh, his predecessor was Hubert de v- Givenchy. Can I say... Yeah. Givinci. You say Hubert Dut Givinci. Givinci. Sorry. I think it's a pretty big deal, though, because he obviously followed Mm -hmm. on from the namesake of the label, but. Yeah. Well, so did Carl. Carly Lagi. Yeah. I think that would be big, but. Yeah. uh, Givinci is a subsidiary of LVMH which I mentioned before, but it's a multinational and they own fucking everything. It's like Louis Vuitton, uh, Moe Chandon, Hennison. That's what those whoa, letters stand for. But they, they whoa, it, it's whoa. like, it's, if you look on their Wikipedia page, the amount of subsidiary like businesses they like are a part of. Like Estee Lauder owns every fucking cosmetics brand. Yeah, exactly. They are all about the luxury goods. Anyway, so in January 1996, he presented his first couture show and everybody bloody loved it. I couldn't get enough. And then in October... What in, was the vibe? I uh, can't remember. Oh. Then in October in the same year, Galliano <laughs> was moved on to Christian Dior. Mm. Yeah, so... So he, he's out of... 
Givenchy. Givenchy. Yeah, so like Givenchy, but like LVMH moved him. It wasn't like. Oh, okay. He wasn't. Because like, they also own. They were like, now you're going to make Dior better. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so he served as their creative director. And side note, Alexander McQueen then became Givenchy's chief oh, designer. Oh, McQueen. Following. Um, I think that, it, um, that this is what people would probably associate John Galliano with most, like his time at. Yeah. Um, but he created these like wildly elaborate fanciful shows and presentations like in both like the couture shows but the ready to wear as well, just so elaborate. Um, and there's lots of like floaty femininity mm. going on, lots of theatricality. Yeah. And he was also very inspired by history and <coughs> sorry, <coughs> cultural appropriation. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Something stuck in my throat. It's guilt. Um, so Johnny then had many, many successful collections with Christian Dior until he was fired in February 2011. BRB. <laughs> uh, he had a bit of a hiatus as everyone hated him. Uh, but don't worry, with the help of Hannah Wintour, he Ew. had to come back. So because he's a white man, don't worry about it. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Okay. Um, so his comeback was he collaborated on a collection with Oscar de la Renta in 2013. Ooh la la. Ooh la la indeed. And in October 2014, John became the creative director of Maison Margiela. I don't know that. Yeah, you do. Maybe I need to see it written down. You'd recognise the clothes, I'm sure. It sounds like a candle brand to me. They're more than that. <laughs> I think they did one of those like collaborations with the pleb brands once. I'm pretty sure. Mm. Anyway, pleb. <laughs> I mean, that's my brand. Just yeah. to, I am the pleb in this story, but he's been there ever since. Cool. Just living it up in Mesa, Marshall. And the advice given by the eponymous former director. So again, he took on after the namesake. Uh, he said, "Make it your own." Which I think is really interesting just in fashion and like the way you were talking about with Karl Lagerfeld because it's like I don't know much about this world but it's really interesting these incredibly talented individuals come into these like omnipotent fashion houses with respect and clout for days but they still have to kind of follow in the same way I imagine like the designers that have come before them. Yeah. Yeah. And they have to. Like, there's a vibe. Yeah, there's like a tone. It's like a, it's like a, it's the vibe of the thing. It's just the vibe. It's Marbo. It's the vibe. But like, <laughs> they must need to stick in a lane, like that the company's forged. Yeah. To some degree, which is because obviously they're so immensely creative and interesting in the way their minds work and and what they come up with. But it needs to. It needs to still fit consistency. You still need to have consistency. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, because it doesn't represent it. And I think it is. It's it's kind of like marketing in in a way, I guess, because like different brands have different tones that they use in like social media and things like that, but more of a tangible thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Jono has won the British Council Designer of the Year four times. In 1987, 1994, 1995, and again in 1997. But the final win was shared by our little reoccurring character here, Alexander McQueen. Love him so much. It's very interesting when they also share awards. 
It's nice. Did I make two? <laughs> no. What about when they have like the winner of Best Picture and 40 people go on the stage? Does everyone get a piece of the pie? Do they no. all get a little statue? I mean, I don't know. I think no, but I hope so. Me too. Maybe they do. I hope so too. Or do they just get that moment and, and that's they, why they like, let everyone talk? It's like a share, like a job share with a Oski. <laughs> yeah. So he also ha- he has some royal awards. He has an order, but not just any order. It's the most excellent order of the British Empire, dude. Whoa. Yeah. And after you head on an excellent adventure with Bill and Ted, <laughs> all we are is dust in the wind, dude. <laughs> There you go. Dude. Dude. Have He'll, you seen the new one? No. No, I'm dying to, though. We Let's should have do to the cinema. Yeah, we're full. I just want all the uh, Keanu that this world has to offer. We'll never be doing Keanu, by the way. It's not happening. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with him. Back to Galliano, who also received the French Legion Honor, of Honor, sorry, Um but it was taken away from him for something really shit he did. Stay tuned. Oh. I spoke to our um, New York fashion correspondent and they said that John was <laughs> truly a revolutionary designer, a pioneer for the industry. That was a direct quote. Yeah. The correspondent did go to fashion school. It cost a lot of money. I can tell you that. Really? Closely linked with her. Um, anyway. <laughs> Truly, John Galliano is immensely talented and seems to have an incredibly like natural gift when he when it like comes to design. This has obviously been seen, it's been noted and perpetuated by many of the heaviest hitters in the fashion industry. But why do you love him? Go on, tell us. I want to hear it. Look, mostly I just love that sleazy, thin moustache. <laughs> I hate his face. <laughs> I actually love his face. No. And I loved like 90s John Galliano with his long hair and so like piratey. Yes. Um, He's Jack Sparrow before Jack Bar- Sparrow. Yeah. I loved his 95 pinup collection. It's like had these real, had like a super 50s vibe, real frou-frou, mm. like big. Amazing dresses, but really gorgeous pencil skirts. Mm-hmm. I think the frou-frou is what I like. And I love that, like, French or maybe, like, Russian revolution. I'm not really sure on the fashion country of um, uh, Chris, Helena Christensen mm. um, in that amazing navy dress with the little stripes and this crazy hat. He spoke about one time on this, like, podcast I listened to with Hermish Bowles about the backstage. I actually, I can't remember the other people right now. <laughs> no, it was, like, Kate Moss was there and Helena Christensen was there, but then their boyfriends were at the back. So um, Michael Hutchinson was there and, oh like, my God. Johnny Depp was there. So they were all hanging out the back too. It was just, like, a wild time. It would have been a fun time. I mean, the 90s, he was very uh, famous. mm and I was certainly not any in any way a fashion gal then, but I can really appreciate it. He dressed uh, Princess Diana pretty sexy little black slinky number. Yeah, it was it was very uh, like nightgownish. It was, and people were like, "Eh, meh, good." good. Yeah. Um, I also love the like blinginess of him. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's fun to be blingy and gross. Totally. I have no, like, obviously there was something to be said for Lagerfeld's understated, elegant kind mm-hmm. of thing, mm-hmm. but I also fucking love this bling, bling, crazy-looking shit. Yeah, I'm much more Lagerfeld. Like, I like to pretend like I dress like a French girl. Yeah. Well, look, I'm Woman. probably Woman. more Lagerfeld, but I like to look at really frou-frou things and beautiful, amazing, insane-looking things and be like, If I was a completely different person, I would wear that dress. Also, he designed Kate Moss's beautiful wedding dress. Yeah, he did. um, When she married that guy from the Kills. And then they RIP. Yeah, that's a shame. That's really all, like, I don't really know very much about him. Mm -hmm. But he was just, like, an iconic guy that has a gross slash fabulous Pencil moustache. Oh, it's repulsive. That I associate with all the fabulous 90s supermodels, you know? Fair enough. All right. Well, just going to give you a little information. Go from there. All right. That's how we do it. This is kind of the, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I wish I was more invested in him than I actually am, but... I mean, if anything, this episode has indicated that we're not very fashion <laughs> conscious. I mean, let We it be can noted. appreciate a nice piece of art... But we do look fabulous you most of the time. You right now. <laughs> Amber has her shirt off because it's 100 <laughs> degrees. I look like I'm at some kind of factory <laughs> in my weird utilitarian like jumpsuit. With your Bridget Butto hair. Oh, no. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. All right. Anyway, we'll start with cultural appropriation, which I obviously um, touched on. The fashion industry is fucking rife with this. And to be honest, our understanding and acknowledgement of this subject has, I I think, has very much changed and progressed since the 90s and even like the early 2000s. Um, So for spring-summer 2003 couture show, John had returned from a trip in Japan and uh, China. And clearly he shows how he's taken aspects of the two countries and then he, like, to inspire him to do this collection, but he he smooshed them together, these two cultures, uh, and the models sported Oshiroi makeup on their faces, so it was painted white, Ooh. much like a geisha. Yep. Um, they also had underpainted lips that were done in red and they had red and black highlights around the predominantly white model's eyes. Okay. But then throughout the show there were also like Chinese dancers. Yeah. And what Vogue referred to as circus performers as well. So weird. I was just a bit confusing. I think also like Nicole Kidman was still with Tom Cruise. Cruise, and she wore like this. I think that was 1997 at the Oscars. Yeah. It's one of her favourite looks apparently. Well, she looks lovely. It's a beautiful dress. But it feels like that vibe. But the way that it's cut isn't as – these dresses in this show were really like – it was really like the models were just swimming in fabric, but then there was like kimono kind of elements to it. That dress was – Obviously, definitely inspired, but it wasn't as blatant, Yeah, I guess. Okay. Anyway, we shan't forget that 
Dior were also behind the terribly thought out campaign, which poses the question, how many fucking people approve this? Johnny Depp starring in Savage perfume ads. Yeah, yeah, which we talked about in episode three. three. Oh, three. Season one, episode three. I'm just if you're interested. Don't worry, I noted it down. Um, it's a good episode if you want to get really angry. It is. John also made, as in Galliano, not Depp, beaded corsets in 1997 for one of his shows, citing inspiration from the Maasai people when in actual fact they were more closely linked to the Dinka people. So we're talking central and southern Kenya and south Sudan here. So that's like entirely different countries. Just do a little research. Yeah, I'm just, like I'm trying to illustrate the heavy-handedness or even like I'm going to say severe lack of basic fucking effort that seems to be at play. Yeah, I get it. Of course, the fashion industry has utilised incredibly important and sacred elements of many, many cultures forever, really. But particularly in the second half of the 20th century, I'd say. That's where Mm. it really reached its (laughs) centre. But the issue is that I don't think the proper credit or acknowledgement has been given. Like, they're they're just taking. Yeah. And I think... It's really exploitative and it, it happens here all the time. Like in Australia, it happens. Australia's traditional owners are the oldest continual culture on earth and the exploita- exploitation, sorry, is, it's just, it's despicable. Yeah. And, and it like in many ways but also in the fashion industry for sure. Totally, yeah. And there's like this real sense of dismissing the importance and significance of what is being appropriated it's like it's it uh, it's exoticizing. Yeah, I think it's really fucked up, frankly. Yeah, it is really fucked up. It's fucked up because I think there's a way to do it. You know what I mean? Like not necessarily taking, but also just if you're going to take inspiration, you need to do it correctly. You need to consult with the people who this is important to within their culture, and that is really, really important, especially. How much is taken is mm. the thing. It's gross. That's not your fucking place either. No. Why don't you just leave it to an actual Indigenous person? Exactly. To be inspired and create. Let's move on to John's Haute Couture Spring Summer 2000 show. And there was quite a bit of controversy around this show. It was also known as his Hot Homeless show. Oh, God. Zoolander came out. Yeah, it came out the following year. And the fictitious, like, derelict line made by the (laughs) evil Mugatu (laughs) um, that was pretty much inspired by Galliano's show. Yeah, right. Yeah. Makes sense. I know. I know. But honestly, I didn't actually know that until recently. No, I didn't know. I was like, they've come up with this idea to just like make fun of fashion. But I was like, oh shit, it's actually based in truth. I know. (laughs) But it's very, it's fucking disrespectful. Like, because they're staging this show, which costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to put on. Like, like thousands and thousands of dollars each dress costs. And like, the staging, the staffing. Like, can you imagine? You've got (laughs) 
AV people, sound people, you've got the models, you've got the actual content of the show, which is the clothes production, who are the people who make it. I mean, I could go on forever about how much. I wonder if he was as lazy as he had been about other things or if he, like, went out into the street and looked at some homeless people and was like, oh, that's some stinky pants. I'm going to make some just like that. Or if he just was like, hmm, what would a homeless guy wear? A garbage bag dress. I know. It's just a complete load of shit. It's such a slap in the face for like millions of people experiencing oh, homelessness. Gross. And wait, I'm going to read the quote, but we'll get back to your point. But like there is something kind of ironic about models also at the time that were considered more beautiful and got more work in fashion weeks dependent on how thin they were, <laughs> replicating populations that were actually starving. Yeah. It's uh, – is that irony? I don't know. <laughs> feels it's just, like it's re- irony <sighs> in a really gross really, way. It's dark. And there was like – there was a great opinion piece that I read in the New York Times by uh, a journalist called Maureen Dowd called – Liberty's Hort Homeless. And she wrote, so which is worse, a Paris, a Paris Fashion Week designer who wants to look at the homeless as aesthetic objects or a New York mayor who does not want to look at them at all? She's referring mm. to Giuliani. Yeah, well, that was happening <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, we can't even get into Giuliani so... in the current day. We can't, mm, 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 mm. I mean, the flatulence alone. The hair... <laughs> Did you see the thing about him farting? <laughs> anyway. I've, I'm still stuck on really the the hair dye dripping oh, down his face. Oh, my God. I and know. <laughs> was he with the one with the fly? No, that was my pants. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so many good memes. <laughs> I know it's not said like that, but anyway. She also spoke to a woman named Mary Brosnahan. Uh, she was the executive director of the Coalition for ho- for the Homeless in New York City at the time. And she said, but the fact that this is a matter of life and death seems lost on Galliano and his Eurotrash following. Well, you don't have to say Eurotrash. Well, That's rude. Yeah. But, like, I do think... But, yes, no, I totally agree. It's insane that he is so privileged... That he really has no idea. So what you were saying before is interesting because John Galliano actually said that he created this because he thought that the Okay. Thought that I'm not quoting here, but this is the essence the gist, of it. The vibe of the thing. He was in, inspired by how like stylish the French homeless people were. What? <laughs> Could you be more tone deaf? Really? <sighs> oy, oy, oy. Look, and also I'm before on this podcast, I have said the phrase hobo or hubs, which is just as terrible. I felt like hobo was okay. Didn't they do that? On- yeah, but I guess it's basically the same thing, right? Well, that's why I actually... So look- I'm also a shit cunt. No, you're not. But it's... And it is from a pr- very privileged place that I, I look at a hot guy and make a joke about whether he may be homeless or hubs material. (laughs) Probably comes from the exact same place as Galliano. Maybe. Well, in a much 
grander scale with a lot more sure. fucking money put into making it. Making money out of it. Obviously. Yeah. I'm not making You're money. Capitalising on a it. stupid joke with my friends about how gross men are. Right. That I'm weirdly attracted to. Hey. Teach Sarah. <sighs> anyway, let's get down to <laughs> what I foreshadowed before, which was why did he get fired Yeah, from why Dior? did he get fired? To put it bluntly, he had a number of big anti-Semitic rants and he threw some threats in for, like, good measure. Whoa. It's a complete piece of shit. This part. Threats too. Well, I mean, okay, anyway. Now, I'm going to quote old mate here, okay, and I just want to things, I just want to kind of do a little disclaimer because sure. it, it gets really despicable and it contains vile racism. So skip ahead if you prefer and we'll, we'll meet you on the other side. Yeah. Just hit that 15-second button. Yeah. Maybe, anyway. Maybe 30 seconds. I don't know. Uh, who knows? But um, I haven't timed him. But <laughs> <laughs> skip from now. Just skip. Um, so the, the first the general public heard about this was in February 2011. Mm-hmm. John John was arrested for allegedly making threats and anti-Semitic hate speech towards a couple in a bar in the Marais. Oh. Say that in language I can understand. Maress. Oh, okay, yeah. It was Imperis. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Um, so he repeatedly called this woman ugly and also slag. Ooh. Shut you, slag. So East London. Did um, he have an English accent? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he. I, I think, you know, he'd been living in Paris for a long time, so maybe. But you, people, in my experience, French people will say you always maintain, you, you never sound no. French. You can never sound French unless you're born there. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that is the I agree. feedback that I've got from Same. people I know. Because you speak so good. I don't at all. <laughs> but the, I did give it a go at university. French people ain't, I can still hear you from yeah. gross I tried Australian real hard. <laughs> Yeah. So he, yeah, he, he was quoted by the couple after the event as saying, fucking Asian bastard, I will kill you. And he also said to the woman Whoa. of the, like the woman in the couple, the man was that, that was directed towards, but he said, and this really, I don't even want to say it, but like, Dirty Jewish face, you should be dead. Whoa. I know. It's f- oh. oh, John, you've done it. And I did read in some places that he threw like a couple of slaps. Whoa. Very fashion. And what was all this about? Nothing. He Absolutely just, nothing. He just was like, I don't like just, Asians, I don't like Jewish yeah. people. He's I'm just going to scream at some people. Apparently it was only after two bottles of wine, though, which I'm like, fucking get a grip. Yeah, mate, you're in fashion. You should be able to Two bottles of wine? Fashion. Drink Galliano under the table. Yeah. So Natalie Portman, she was, like, with Dior at that point. She had a contract um, as she was the face of Miss Dior. Cherry perfume. Cherry perfume. Sorry, that joke's getting old. I'm still into it. But... She had a little something to say about this and she was quoted in the New York Times. She said, I am deeply shocked and disgusted by the video of John Galliano's comments. In light of this video and as an individual who is proud to be Jewish, I will not be associated with Mr. Galliano in any way. 
Good on ya. I hope at the very least these terrible comments remind us to reflect and act upon combating these still existing prejudices that are the opposite of all that is beautiful. Fucking A. Great. I love Natalie Portman. So Dior suspends John pending an investigation. So then John does a classic Josh Homme, (laughs) season one, episode two, and denies he said anything at all. And lo and behold, a video of John Galliano surfaces. And this was in October in that, uh, the year before, but still in the same bar. They were, But didn't Portman say I, a video? Yes, yeah, sorry. I've actually put that in wrongly chronologically. She probably said that after this, but oh, it all okay. happened quite quickly. Okay, okay. It happened within two days. So people were like, blah, 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 and then Yeah, the and then this came, came out. out and then Natalie Portman said that and okay, I realised that fine. when I was reading it. Sorry, guys. Yeah, but, fine. you know. Anyway, Natalie Portman's not up for it. Just letting you know I'm listening. I like that. Yeah, so this was a little while before, but um, that this video was actually taken, but then this woman came forward because someone else had come forward. You know, it gives you mm-hmm. a little momentum. Um, but... John said in this incident. So it was the same cafe? It was the same bar, yeah. So it was it was apparently to drink a lot and be racist. Yeah, and and this bar I think is quite frequented by I think it's like quite fashion. A a fashion. To the left. Fashion. (laughs) To the right. But he okay. Again, if you want to skip, skip. He said, I love Hitler. People like you should be dead. Your mothers, your forefathers would all be fucking gassed. What? I know. I fucking vomit in my mouth. That is fucking revolting. What is in your mind? Like it's, I, uh, but one of the women present asked if he has a problem. Like she says, I've watched the video. She's like, do you have a problem? And then he says um, that the woman, he's like, you're ugly. And then he calls him an asshole, which is super cute. And it's such a, it's a really strong argument, you know. Well, I'm racist because you're an asshole. It's a flaming douche lord. Oh, I hate him. Eventually, after the fact, he said, and I quote, I must take responsibility for circumstances in which I found myself. Okay. Um, Which is not. Taking responsibility? No, and for allowing myself. Not taking responsibility. To be seen, to be behaving again. To, to be, be seen? seen? Oh, my God. You and me, babe. Oh. Um, in the worst possible light. I only have myself to blame. No shit. And I know that I must face up to my own failures. It's not a failure. Like, it's not about failure. I don't it's think also that's no, a wrong... not really about you. No. And <laughs> that I must work hard to gain people's understanding and compassion. You don't deserve any compassion. No. He also said, anti-Semitism and racism have no part in our society. I unreservedly apologise for my behaviour in causing any offence. Offence is weak. A weak word. Yeah. I mean, like, you look like a fucking fuckface because you, firstly, you f- what you said is unforgivable. Yeah. Disgusting. But... You're right, like it has no place in this society. Well done. Um, I'll give you that one. Tick. 
but secondly, like he didn't. He just he didn't own his shit. No, not at all. It makes it fucking. He, he lied. That's a, that's a that's an apology given under duress. Ah, exactly. And with it's a like, gun to his head, you say it. It's like saying, "I'm sorry." You you feel that way. Feel that way. Yeah, about what I said. Oh, and it's like also the fact that he lied about it initially. It just makes it infinitely worse. And the fact that you're no dummy. You know. Like everyone knows your creepy little face. Everyone knows it. That pencil moustache is not looking so cute anymore. I know. Anyway, so he Ugh. he and many people blamed addiction and drugs and alcohol, but like I'm sorry, and I don't mean to this I don't want this to sound in like inconsiderate or harsh, but like fuck that in a way, because I feel like a lot of people deal with that and they are not mm-hmm. they are not saying that kind of shit to strangers. Yeah. I don't know. I think well, like, we can, I think even like looking at the Jackson Pollock episode, like, we know he had definitely had mental illness issues. He was an alcoholic, but that doesn't make the fact that that doesn't make him not an asshole. Yeah. Is what I mean. Like, it's a consideration, but it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. No. It, it's just parts of the story. I, I just don't. I'm not comparing it, but I think it's really interesting that, like. It doesn't take away the pain he caused. No. And that's the fucking fundamentals of being abusive or causing harm to people. You can't take it back. Being a drug addict doesn't take back the bad things that you've done. And I don't know. Okay, I'm going to say this, but do you not? I find it very interesting the disparity between, say, for instance, like murderers. There's a lot more men than there are women, but there are a lot of women who have very abusive situations they're in. I'm going to say more than men. Yes, that's true. So why? It's just uh, anyway. uh, But people who come from. Trauma, which Galliano didn't, but also people who come from addiction sort of like situations where they're struggling, there is a way in which to deal with that. And the way in which to do that is not to aggressively attack it with racist bullshit, like people you've never met. Yeah. In the most vile way. Yeah, any sorry, anyone. <laughs> just no one. But just I mean, I You're think meant to be your sister? It's I don't probably care. especially terrifying for people who have never met. I don't know. Because what is bringing that on? Like uh, it's unprovoked. It, I mean, we have friends who have been racially attacked in the street. Yes. And especially recently and fuck that and fuck you. It's caused an enormous harm to these people. Yeah. It's Complete strangers fucking screaming at them and it's absolutely terrifying. It makes me fucking angry. It makes me fucking angry. It's not fucking acceptable. No. It fucking infuriates me. No, it really, the mind boggles. It infuriates me. And not like a fun game of boggle. Dropping the addiction fucking card. Bye-bye. No, thank you. Look. Doesn't matter anyway because we know he bounced right fucking back a couple Ugh. of years later. 
like you mentioned, he designed Kate Moss's wedding dress and then he got a big top dog, top dog job at Mason Margiela. So anyway, I'm I guess. I'm out at Mossy now and I she's know. my favourite. And that was the same year. And I remember Ugh. thinking that at the time, I was like, really? Because no. I was in England. I don't know if I said that before, but I lived in London when this she happened. She lived in London. She lived in London. All right, that's enough from you. <laughs> but I was there when this all came out. And then and then I was there when like, when Kate Moss got married. I might have just left, but I remember being like, really? That's the designer you're engaging with when you could literally have anything Anyone. you want. Oh, Gross. I guess I kind of know what you think, but I kind of want to know more nah. of what you think. I mean, like, do you want to get some Galliano garments or what? No, thank you. Well, there you have it. I mean, obviously I never would. But I, it makes me think about people like Kate Moss now. Like, what the fuck? I know. Maybe she fucking sucks. Okay. Now, I'm not... I'm not defending anyone here, but I guess like a wedding is planned so far in advance that that actually could have happened. Totally, but because it what I don't know. That's I don't know. Really either. bad, bad, bad behavior. Surely she must have known he was a cunt before that. I don't know. Uh, who knows? Well, I guess they both suck. Yeah. Fashion. Model. Fashion. 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 Model. Model. Well, shout out to Haiku Hands, our buds out there. Fuck yes, Haiku Hands. I've if been anyone... listening to fashion model art like constantly. If, doesn't, if anyone this. doesn't know Haiku Hands, they're fucking fabulous. They're fucking fabulous. Like they're from Sydney. They're, but God, like, they're global. The best band in the whole world. Best I fucking fine. love them. So fun. They're the best. Please, if you got anything out of this, just go and listen to Haiku <laughs> <laughs> They're so good. Now, listen, you can follow us on social media. I don't know if you know this, but we actually do have accounts on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram's more fun. It's way I've kind fun. of given up on Facebook. It's hey. really hard. It's hard work. Yeah. Zuck just wants me to pay, pay, pay. We're not going to do it. No, you can't have these dollars. We don't have any dollars. That's the other thing. We don't have any dollars. This is just a podcast that I make in my kitchen. Guys, uh. Mm. Just follow us on Instagram. We'll have a nice time. Tell us what you think. Engage with us. F- uh, subscribe. Tell your friends. Rate us. Review us. If you're on Apple. Yeah. Um, I don't also, think you can do that on any other platform. Oh, it's annoying. But the other thing I was going to say is next week we are going back into a little territory we've done before. Mm-hmm. Directors. Directors. We're going to re- ruin some people that are pretty special. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty important. They're, they're very, they're, an impo- they're important people in, of our time <laughs> and of times before. I've, but not too far before. Look, you're going to love it. Can't wait for you to cry about that one. Yeah, get back to us. We'll see you next week, you bloody brilliant legends. Thank you for listening, and I'm really sorry, but both of those people sucked. Bye. I'm sorry,
We have used multiple sources in the research for this podcast. All of these can be found in the show notes. This podcast was written by Kara Nissen and Amber Jones, with music and engineering by Morgan Jones. DJ Morgs! <laughs> Sorry, I should have laughed. I like it.